you have been cordially invited to the Eternal Slumber Party. Henry. I've named oh, this named Henry. You named him after Vecna. Um, well, the two bigger annoying ones on the back of my neck are named Jonathan and Lonnie. So <laughs> <laughs> we are talking about zits. Since this oh. is not a visual medium, it's an audio medium. Yeah, sometimes when my zits get really annoying, I name them after boys. That's really funny. That's my toxic trait. Well, I'm a toxic Steve apologist today. Toxic Steve apologist. Because you know what? Watching the episode back, I don't know. I think we got, yeah, I think we got some stuff to talk about. Uh, Before we jump into it, should we say hi? Hello? Hi. Hello. Hi, hey, hello. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Good. I don't have a whole lot to report on. What did I do this weekend? Did I do something? Oh my god! Yeah, we, we did. did. We went to front bottoms. Weekend. Yeah, we went to go see the front bottoms. That was very fun. Had a wonderful time. Oh, you know how I was sad because I lost an earring. Yeah, found it. What? I didn't lose it in the mosh pit. Apparently, I lost it at my house by all of where my shoes live. No. So. No, because I remember you showing the lady. All your earrings. I had, yeah, but I had one in and then one was out. So one had fallen off at home. No, I swear you had both in. Regardless, it made its way home. So now <laughs> I have both my earrings again. Um, I briefly got to be God's favorite. Christy has haunted earrings. You heard it here first. I don't like, they're not haunted. I got blessed and it made its way home. I, I think really I'd like to think you. that it really. A chef boyardee its way home. <laughs> it rolled from... <laughs> it was like being swept up by the janitor at the end of the night. And it just kept rolling all the way back home. Unbelievable. <laughs> Can you imagine it if it had to do that all the way to my house? It'd never make uh, it. Yeah, it would still be going. Guess what um, I had to do when I went home on Friday night after the show? What did you do? I had to get gas again. <laughs> oh my god again my car did not stall this time making progress making progress i'm living large in the world oh the other thing i got to do this weekend was i got to go see cirque de Soleil. oh yeah how was that tell me about it i now i i'm a crier you know i'm a crier but i'm not someone who like will cry at happy things and like cry unprovoked and they started the show and like the first like People came out and were doing like their balancing act, and like I fucking teared up. I was like, "Oh, it's been so long since I've seen something like this!" Like, oh my god, it was so much fun. It was literally set up like a circus in a giant tent, and they were like in the center, and it was like, oh, it was just so good. It was so good. I had the best time. I'm so glad yeah, I that went. That sounds awesome. I'm glad that you got to go. That sounds really fun. Me too. I'm so, so glad I went. I would go like a million more times if I could. 
I'd go. I haven't. I've only been once when I was like a, a kid, a child. I'd only seen them when I was a kid once too. But like growing up in a dancing family, I was like, oh, Cirque du Soleil is like literally. I pass by the tent every day going to work. So I was like, I have to go. Yeah, I feel like to. that's. Yeah, like you have to. It's not fair to like see the fun thing and then not be able to go. Exactly. So. And then this upcoming weekend, I'm going to the penitentiary Halloween nights. Ooh, spooky, spooky. Yeah, my friend said she'd go with me. So I'll let you know how I feel about it. <laughs> I was thoroughly spooked last year by the penitentiary. So we will see. I do want to do the tour. I want to do the tour. I want to check out inside. I want to go see um, all the cells and stuff, but I don't want scare actors because scare actors spook me and i know they're doing much their job but <laughs> i have never been around scare actors before so we will see how this goes um also you and i need to talk because you have told me about five or six different things now that you want to do within the month of October and girl we have two free weekends in October <laughs> we, we need have to two figure days. out how to do all of these things in <laughs> yeah anyways um, you want to do five trillion things and so do I we just don't have enough time we never have enough time to do anything we want to do what else we don't have enough time for talking about stranger things that's so true um who directed these episodes? Because I feel like episode fives, episode five always gets me. I love how episode five always ramps it up. Season or episode five and six. That's what I was kind of noticing about this is the cuts get a lot faster between different scenes. We're mm -hmm. jumping around more. It was directed by the Duffer Brothers. Solid. Um, so allow me to read off the episode descriptions. Chapter 5, The Flea and the Acrobat. Hopper breaks into the lab while Nancy and Jonathan confront the force that took Will. The boys ask Mr. Clark how to travel to another dimension. Chapter 6, The Monster. A frantic Jonathan looks for Nancy in the darkness, but Steve's looking for her too. Hopper and Joyce uncover the truth about the lab's experiments. All right. How do you feel about how do you feel about those descriptions? I feel like turning it on its head. You always ask me, now I'm asking you. <laughs> I think it works. Uh, like we've said for a lot of them, does not capture everything. I feel like the Steve looking for Nancy is is kind of a misleading way to phrase that. Looking for her in the dark, a little bit misleading. No, because that's Steve is looking for Nancy, not John. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I feel like um, it's it's misleading to what's actually happening and how Steve is actually looking for her versus Jonathan. Okay. Like we'll talk about it. We'll talk okay, about it. Because we'll I kind of want to talk about I want to talk about Stranger Things with you. Please, that's all I want to do right now. Oh God. So again, we are still Thursday night. This is Thursday yes, night. I was gonna ask, what's the timeline? Thursday night. So episode four spanned how long has it been Thursday? Um, through episode four. So usually okay. so what's been happening is that each day is an episode. Pretty much, because we start on a Sunday night. Will so we go taken, like the night and into the Monday. morning, and then we start night again into the morning. Okay, that's usually how they do it. Is each episode's kind of a day, and we start at night, 
and we go through the day and we end at the night because that's how time works. And we start the next episode. <laughs> and today night. on Science 101 with Kirsty, we are going to learn how time works. <laughs> how time works. It's always going forward. So, so Hopper is full on crime spree running through literally the lab. my first note is just hopper 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 <laughs> oh mine is zaddy mine is literally just like i was sitting there like hopper 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 <laughs> i i was it like crime hopper is my favorite hopper crime hopper especially when crime hopper gets involved with joyce like oh dynamic duo oh of course um, and then it does a hard cut when he's in the lab. It does a hard cut back to Joyce's house. Oh, I will also say, fun thing I did, because I forgot to watch the episodes and then was running out of time. I decided to see if Netflix had a speed changer so I could try to double time this. And it does. And let me tell you, when you watch this show in two times speed, it becomes a comedy. Because <laughs> you notice how everyone walks in such a weird <laughs> way like when you all walk, i'm picturing in motion jonathan's the worst he is back and forth jonathan has a weird walk but all i can think of is that scene at the beginning of episode six but in two times speed <laughs> let me tell you what it is a comedy if you have the chance i do recommend that people give it a chance uh watching things in two times speed i only did it because i was running out of time but it did make it funnier um and i did actually have to pause at certain points so i could write down my notes when i have more thoughts so i didn't forget them because it was going so fast <laughs> but i didn't have the time to slow down so where does the hard cut with hopper how far in does he get so he is able to get through and he shoots the card reader so he's walking through guards catch him and they're like did you forget about the cameras which quite frankly yes i did forget about the cameras that would have been following him around in that laboratory oh but he didn't right so i think he was trying to like just get through as far as he could um yeah. he punches out one guy takes his gun and then takes the key card of the other guy but doesn't knock out the other guy or take the radio. Wouldn't you think he would take the radio so he could hear like when people are coming? I think he's a little manic at this point. He's had a few shots of whiskey, punched a guy in the face, punched another guy in the face a lot, cut up a fake dead body. Like we just have to think he is, he is pretty far down the it. manic rabbit hole right now. Yeah, honestly, I think that I probably would not be making the best choices after cutting open a fake dead body. If I'm being honest. Do you want to test that? Yeah, do you have a CPR dummy that I can cut up? No, but I can find one. Okay, we do need to make sure that it looks identical to the missing child <laughs> that we have been searching. Anyways. Anyways. Um, the missing child. Okay, so yeah. Hopper shoots the card reader, gets in through the secret lock doors. And then doors. It hard cuts to Joyce and Lonnie having some tender moments on the couch because Lonnie's trying to comfort her and is like you're gonna freeze to death we have to get that fixed like it's stress you should talk to someone talk to a shrink talk to um pastor charles which joyce doesn't really react but then 
once he says Pastor Charles, Joyce rolls her eyes in such a dramatic way. And it's like, he can't help. And my only note for that scene is, yeah, fuck you, Pastor Charles. You can't help. Yeah, come on, Pastor Charles. What are you doing? You can't help. <laughs> Get your shit together, Pastor Charles. Come on. So then it goes back. After that, um, there's some fighting with Lonnie and Jonathan because Jonathan comes in and he wants to talk about jo- to Joyce about what she saw in the wall. Because he just talked to Nancy. Yes. So he wants to talk to her about it and Lonnie's like, don't be feeding into her delusions. She's sick. And Jonathan's like, you just make things worse. You need to leave. Get out of here. And they kind of end their that moment. We end in the buyer's house with Lonnie be like, just behave at the funeral. Stop feeding into your mother's delusions and take down that poster. It's inappropriate. I've been gone for 15 years. I will not parent you. I will not help. I am showing up out of the kindness out of my heart now that my son is found dead because I thought that Joyce just forgot where she put him. But now that he's dead, I'm here. Um, I fucking hate this guy. I hate Lonnie. I'm so glad he is only a season one character. Which um, I may have jumped a little bit of head there because I do have a note note where I was like, so you agree, Lonnie? Joyce is very vulnerable in this moment (laughs) and isn't thinking straight. So you agree that something's wrong with Joyce right now, Lonnie? Interesting. (laughs) Interesting that you agree something's wrong. Um, But Eleven's drawing. So we'll go back to the lab. Wait, no, because there's another scene before that. Oh, with the boys, um, right? The upside down because the boys Nathan. figure out the upside down, and L starts being like, "I don't know how to get there." I don't know. Which have you heard the D and D game theory when yes. watching this show? You've told me the D and D game theory. Okay, so I'm going to say it again for the podcast listeners who may not know what it is, but and I don't even remember where I saw this, but it's my favorite way to watch Stranger Things in that you cannot watch it as a normal show, as like a normal sitcom. You have to watch it as if you are watching them actually play their D&D campaign. And everything that's going on is different roles and you can tell if it's a nat 20 or a nat one or like the different levels of success. Um, Very much if you were to watch Critical Role on Amazon Prime. Or Vox Machina. Yeah. Or Vox Machina. which I think Vox Machina is from Critical Role, if I'm yes. correct. So Vox Machina yeah. is based off of Critical Role's first campaign. And with that show, too, you can really see, you can be like, ah, I see they rolled low here. <laughs> yes. So the same thing kind of is happening when you watch Stranger Things in that way. So especially when they start bringing out the board that they play in and it's what if Will's here, but he's not here. And then they flip the board over upside down and then they're explaining the veil of shadows um i love the DD game theory and going back and watching season one with that new lens because i didn't find out about that theory until like i had finished half of season four mm. so going back and rewatching this has been a lot of fun for me i thought you were going to talk about the theory in which the whole series is going to end with them being back at a DD campaign and the whole thing was part of a campaign Oh, oh, well, I've seen that theory. Um, I've seen a lot of silly ways that they could end this entire show, which now that I know that there's so many of the stars who are also involved in bands, I am terrified they're going to do a flash, like a flash forward, and each of the characters will have one of their own songs. 
So like Joe Keery is going to have his little song from his little band and same with Maya Hawk and same with Finn Wolfhard. Maya Hawk does music? Yeah, it's very sad girl, lesbian. What's it called? It's super, it's, she's just under Maya Hawk. Oh my God, I can't wait to listen to it. Have you listened it's to Boy really Genius? Good. Yeah. Okay, my friend sent me an album by Boy Genius the other day. And I was like, wow, this is really good. I like it. Entering my sad girl era. Like Hawk. Yeah, you'd probably like Maya Hawk. Um, I really like Luna Moth by her. Anyway, um, I'm trying to stay on topic here. Yeah. That's my biggest fear is that they end it in that way because it would be so cheesy and so corny i would hate it but they can't do it the kids are too old now well if they do a f flash forward and it's like they're supposed to be them as adults like living their life i hate like everything i don't want that to happen yeah wouldn't that be terrible That'd i be a terrible i would be way to so angry i would die laughing if it is the D, D game theory where they wrap up the entire campaign and it's like steve and nancy are the parents or something and it's like the kids in the back and like of the RV. Can you imagine though? Okay, I just had this thought. Can you imagine if they're on set and they have like scripts for if you roll like a one to five, a five to 10, a 10 to 15, a 15 to 20, and they have a script and they stand there and they go, okay, roll your dice. How do you do? And then depending on how you roll, that's the script you have to act out that day. That's really funny. Ah, that um, no, but the so other D&D theory that Marga was alluding to is that season five will end by having like the kids playing D and D and all of like the adults and like teens were NPCs based on real life character, like real life people yeah. around them. So like Murray's the mailman and Joyce is the librarian and Hopper is the police officer, whatever. And, um, Steve and Nancy would be, the parents i hate it and they are in the back of the rv and they're talking about like oh i'm gonna shoot it with fireball and it cuts to nancy as like the adult in the real world she's like really fireball like because they're just commenting on their kids game and then steve turns to her and goes well we've heard stranger things and then that's it that is the worst because those are my two fears if they ended it with a DD campaign and if they end it while saying well stranger things have happened if they end it one of those two ways I'm finding the Duffer brothers and I'm having a stern talking to with them. Anyways, we've fully yeah. derailed 15 minutes into this. Um, uh, new okay. record. So, <laughs> okay. So now we are back in the lab with Hopper. Hopper finds yes. Eleven's bedroom. Also, I want to note Hopper is the only one who has ever seen where Elle grew up. Yeah. He saw the condition she was living in mm -hmm. which we know with future seasons that he was in nom and he because i think they may have alluded to it in season one but we hear more of what happened when he's in the prison in season four he was committing terrible like he was doing terrible things in the name of his country and like he was seeing his colleagues getting punished for it because of the napalm or like the chemicals and everything and then his own daughter died from cancer because of it and so for him to like go through that and see how tragic things can be and then to see where 11 grew up we know that it's so much worse like it almost hits harder knowing what he had to live through before meeting 11 to see the stick figure drawing where it's like 11 and papa and she drew them in herself. And that's sad. 
And that's what I have to say is it, it made me sad. No, absolutely. I think it also comes up potentially in the next two episodes, possibly, or in season two. Season one and two kind of blur for me until I get through this. Yeah, which I do make note. Um, I really should rewatch seasons one and three more instead of just going back to seasons two and four. One and three are also very good seasons. And I forgot a lot of what was happening in season one. So, um, the other thing I want to say, Hopper coughs when he goes near the upside down. So at least in this, they are alluding to toxic air. I mean, there's like a lot of dust and particles and stuff. True. So we don't know, like walking through how that's impacting the air. Um, they never really talk about the health implications. Yeah. But I really did like how they were explaining how the upside down worked. And then cutting back and forth between Hopper entering the upside down. I know. That's why I was getting confused within my notes is because yeah. like he was seeing this stuff. And then there's the scene with the kids because the cuts were very fast to explain how the upside down worked and what it looked like and all of these things. And then Eleven's like, I don't know. What? Uh, portals? Upside down? Oh, what? I told you exactly I don't where know he her. is. But I don't know how to get there. Ah, jeez. Which is my next note is like. Elle's lying. Yes, it. She is being a big old liar. Um, and then we have the title sequence, and then there's more like Lonnie trying to be a parent for the first so now time it's in Friday. his life. And then it's Friday morning, which is the funeral. The funeral happens on a Friday. I guess they wouldn't have to go to school or work. Like you would just take it off. It's a funeral. That's my but, assumption, yeah. Yeah, so kind of weird. Like, it's just very jarring. I think the brothers just gave up on school. <laughs> yeah, they were just like, whatever. It, school served its purpose. Um, I want to talk about them getting ready. It's not a very long scene. It's two shots. But I wanted to talk about how Mike is having his dad put on the bow tie or like the tie or whatever. And he's like, it's supposed to be a little bit of... It's like supposed to be a little bit tight and uncomfortable, but you look nice. And then having Karen to Nancy be like, you look very pretty. Do you want to borrow my black heels? The same ones you wore for Kathy's birthday, which usually you see this kind of scene in a show in regards to like a wedding or a school dance or a date. Like the getting ready is supposed to lead to something happy. So it's really fitting and very cinematic to me that it's for a funeral they're going for a funeral they're very sad yeah and it's them being children and learning how to dress nicely but there's this very clear stark lack of childhood yeah these and I, two, I thought it was very cinematic these two episodes very much are growing up episodes the kids grow yeah. up in these and are are changed and also nancy's getting ready almost in a sense for Barb's funeral. Cause we know that Will is alive, but she never gets the chance to have a funeral for Barb. Everyone thinks she just ran away. They don't know that she's dead. So she never gets to have that closure that everyone else gets to have for Will. Um, and that's the other note that I wanted to say on there is that she can never fully grieve Barb because she never gets to go through the grieving process. Yeah. Well, and at this point she's still wondering if Barb is alive because of talking there is to like Jonathan. A little bit of hope. Yeah. yeah. Because if Will's alive, then Barb could be alive. Okay. So after, so they have the funeral. 
there's a girl crying at the funeral and the boys are like ha look at she's crying we know he's not actually dead and then they're like hey be sad and they're like right we're sad now oh i thought they were laughing because like it, this girl is crying she misses will they know he's alive so it's like oh my god wait until she he finds out yeah that so what's so her face cried was it. crying yeah yeah i don't think they were like I think they were giggling because like oh she has a crush on him wait till he finds out right that's what I I think like I did not mean it in a way of like they're laughing at her no like I thought they you were yeah yeah um it's also so funny to me how then Karen at them because I'm just like we know that Will is gay and they foreshadowed it in season one and it's like every time that there is a girl brought up in relation to Will it's something immediately shuts it down and it is so funny to me every time every time i go back i'm like there's so much gay evidence gevidence 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 gay evidence stop it um okay so then nancy and jonathan decide that they are going to go looking in the woods oh because jonathan pulls out a map and he's like here's my house here's steve's house here's where Will went missing, they're all really close to each other. Yeah. Um, although there's stuff in between that because I have notes yeah. because it's so close. Yeah, because it's so close to Steve's house. I was pissed. Like, why did you have all these Demogorgon sightings so close to Steve's house and then not consider Steve a player in any of this? Because every time Steve is being brought up so close to this season and they were just going to have him never come back. Um, I, because maybe they, there's that scene with Joyce and Will where he's drawing fireballs that look like cabbages. Right. She has the flashback at the funeral because of that. Yes. Um, and I was just thinking it's a really good nod to Vecna and like to foreshadow Vecna because if the bad guy is also smart, you can't just be smart to out to like beat him. You have to use force. That is and, that is good. Yeah. And I just kind of liked, um, and like, it's obviously alluding to like the fight here too, because like, this is a very smart animal, very smart predator to hunt and stay hidden. You can't just beat him by being smarter. You have to also have force behind you. Yeah. You have to have a backup. Yeah. And then it also did show us that Will is a very good artist. So then later on when Will, when um, there's the cell and it's like, there's a child's drawing and she's like, was it good? Which I was just like, art critic joy. Okay, snaps for art critic joy. <laughs> if it wasn't good, it wasn't Will's. I thought that was funny. She and then after that flashback, we get a little bit more funeral, but we also have Hopper waking up from because he was like knocked out in the lab, and then he wakes up in his house and he goes through and he tears his house apart. Right. Which the note I have. So yeah. Okay. I need to start making better. I literally, my notes don't make sense. Like literally my notes go, the dog, oh my God. Lonnie is literally just so scummy. Like he barely knew his kid. Winona is just a queen. Hopper joins Joyce in crazy town. That's how my notes sound. I need to make better notes. Um, I would actually, I was thinking like, it would be really funny for me to post these notes because some of these I was writing, like I was watching it on my phone in bed. So I had like the small window playing the show at two times speed. And then I 
I took a melatonin, so I was like drifting off as I was writing some of these. So I have like emojis as well. (laughs) So, so I have, so one, I was annoyed um, because Hopper was ripping his house apart and there seemed to be no method to the madness. He was cutting up his couch before he thought to check the light in that room. And that drove me insane. But also, I wrote chef's kiss because of the insanity of just ripping everything apart. And then it ends with him holding the bug. And then we're back at the funeral and Jonathan's showing Nancy the map. Can we also just note, man's real lucky he's that tall that he can just reach up and reach the light on his ceiling that is near the apex of his ceiling? Yeah. Like... But when they do the zoom out on his house later on in the episode, it's a trailer it's house. Not, it's, it's a trailer, a trailer house. house. Yeah. yeah. So it's not super tall, but I was like, my goodness. I was, it was just one of those moments where I f- remember how tall he is. Cause he's, he is like over six feet tall. He's, he is a tree trunk of a man. The tree trunk of a zaddy. Yeah, he is. But then they cut back and we have Jonathan and Nancy looking at the map and all of the little sightings were so close and Steve is constantly being brought up in relation to how close the Demogorgon is. So I was getting real annoyed and real pissed off, Duffy boys. Why was Steve not part of the original plan? But so thought whatever. I just had is maybe because of a scene that we're going to talk about next week, they might have been trying to do the parallel of because they they've talked about they talked about this in relation to Billy as well is a lot of the times they want to have a human enemy and they want to have the superhuman enemy and they want to have them not have anything to do with each other but have them kind of be running parallel so that the main characters have to deal with both of these enemies kind of like working in tandem slash against each other with these this main group of people and so i think it's a really bad job at making steve an enemy they really did which is why i think they ramped it up way more with billy I think they were like, oh, you liked Steve? Let's make Billy a racist homophobe. Yeah, like there's nothing really that redeemable about Billy except for when we kind of get some flashbacks with him and his mom. Um, In which case I did kind of feel bad for him. But also, he got what he deserved. He literally, his only truly redeemable moment was his very last moment. Um, is trying to stay on topic here. Trying to stay on topic here. Listen, we're do- this is yeah. So no, funny. I'm. You're listen, I would really love to debate Billy when we can talk about season two. I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves because in this situation, yes. So Nancy is like, we need to tell someone. Jonathan, no one's gonna believe us. Nancy your mom would believe us and my note for that is spoken like someone who's not parentified because nancy does not want to have the gun she doesn't want she wants to get people involved she wants to talk to the adults and jonathan is like why would i talk to an adult i'm an adult (laughs) the adult in my house i am the i'm the parent to my mom i am the man of this household yeah and then it cuts inside and we have Dustin going at the snack table. They're not they're- real Nilla wafers. I I have to at least post that note because Lucas, <laughs> we're in mourning. Mm. 
And then, <laughs> and then Dustin, these are real Noah wafers. The way that Lucas and Dustin play off of each other is just like the most. They are I want... always having two separate conversations, but they are always <laughs> playing off of each other. The two of them need to make five trillion movies together. I will watch every single one of them. I would love to watch some more of their movies. Um, Gaten and Caleb are just so funny. And then the next note I have is science is neat, I... but not forgiving. <laughs> so I just have science is neat, exclamation mark, but not forgiving. Thumbs down. Emoji. I really... <laughs> you can really tell when the melatonin was kicking in. <laughs> I was literally taking these notes while folding laundry. So you and I live two different lives. Yeah. Um, um, I kind of love Mr. Clark. I do too. I kind of love I him. I also, I love how he's trying to like use alternate dimensions. It's like, there's another play, another world where this never happened. And no, we're like, not talking no, about no, that. No, 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 And then he's just immediately like, oh, okay. What are we talking about? Also, like he is part, yes ending this conversation. The part where, where Dustin goes, oh, like the veil of shadows. And you can tell Mr. Clark goes, yes. And they're like, it, they have this silent moment of like, D&D? 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 You Fantastic. know Mr. Clark was probably the person who helped Eddie set up the Hellfire Club. <laughs> I would like to think that Mr. Clark is who taught Eddie how to play D&D. I love that. That's canon because now. We've decided it. <laughs> it's canon. Um, because Mr. Clark is constantly shown to really care about the outcast kids. And I think he likes to take them under his wing and he gives them a safe adult to talk to about stuff. And what we know about Eddie is that he likes D&D. He likes storytelling. And he was a little weirdo freak in middle school who liked music. And yes, Margot? Please share with the class. Um, this is season four talk. Yeah, but I'm getting to a point. Okay, what is your point? And it's not just that I love talking about Eddie. <laughs> but we know that Eddie then goes back and shows like the same nurturing. Yeah. And I do think that it, it could be attributed to Mr. Clark. Because the, even then later on in the episode, when he's presented with this opportunity for ki the kids to get connected with other kids to get excited about tech and science and whatever, he instantly like, I know four boys who would love this. Yeah. Or I guess three because Will's technically dead. But it's like, he jumps on the opportunity to connect them. And I just like to think that throughout the, I would love to see that within season five as well. Like, even if Erica's like, yeah, this is my new friend, Mr. Clark introduced us. Because I like to think that he is creating a safe network for I people hope he to comes like back. find friends. I hope he comes back. Also wanted to note, that Acrobat and the Flea, really good way to explain a very kind of high level science. Yeah, I I had the same note. I enjoy like how I am the Acrobat so I can go this way, but a Flea can go all around. Um, And then to be able to like, I also loved the way that they stabbed the paper plate. That was twice because yeah. we had it with Mr. Clark, then we had it again with Mike, and I really did enjoy the cinematography of it all. Where it's like he just to get to it, well, 
he then folds the piece of paper. You don't know what he's going to do. And then he stabs it. You need an awful lot of energy. And I loved it. And then yeah. it cuts to the other cops knocking on Hopper's door. Yes. And they're like, these guys, like, where have you been? Um, these hunters were went, mer- went missing and they went missing by Merkwood because I already forgot what the actual street name was called. Right. But- Which I wanted to know. We talked about that in when we were talking about episodes one and two about hunters and you were like, I don't think this area is a hunting area. Apparently, even though they are that close to houses, it's a hunting area. I don't know where the Duffers are from, but I do not think that they are from Indiana or a hunting area because that's it's really close. North Carolina. I don't know much about North Carolina and their hunting whatevers, but it's really close to residential housing that you would have hunting grounds, especially considering where in relation the buyer's houses, the Harrington's houses, and where the lab would be. But the lab's a whole different thing. I'm just saying, like, on that little map that Jonathan was showing to Nancy, if it's that close to residential, I don't think that deer would be there. So why would you be hunting there? Except Jonathan and Nancy found a deer. They found a deer. But I don't think that you'd find enough deer to justify going through and hunting there. It's not. Well, and also, you're too close to humans. Yeah. Like, even if there are deer, because as someone who grew up in a place where there's a shit ton of deer, and I literally had to get out of my car once across the street from an elk that was like six and a half feet tall. Not an elk, but like a buck. That was the word I was thinking. A buck that was like six and a half feet tall. Deer will wander into population, but you're not going to let people hunt that close to population. And granted, it is the 80s, so they live in a lawless, lawless land. I'm just saying, because Colorado also has a lot of deer. Hmm. And like I have... Weirdly enough, my house growing up, we had a lot of foxes. Oh. That was like the thing all around. We had a we lot had, of foxes. We had deer at fucking everywhere. There was literally a buck that would come through every single night for a couple weeks and just hang out on our street. And I'd come home and be like, hi, buddy. We had a lot of green space uh, for a while growing up before I got industrialized. Mm-hmm. We had a lot of green space. And we sometimes got a deer or two like it's not full-blown woods like we see in stranger things yeah when i was saying i don't think it's a hunting ground i just don't understand why they would go hunting in that area because it seems like it's going to be too residential so you're not going to get a lot of game because they're going to be too scared by the humans and two assuming that there are laws in this lawless lawless land it's too close to residential to be allowed to shoot because you could kill someone you could shoot a kid or like shoot in someone's yard people who hunt weigh in because neither of us hunt we're not hunters if you couldn't tell we're at the I'm more gatherer. of a gatherer <laughs> yeah we're more of a gatherer crowd we're more of a sit and watch other people hunt together <laughs> yeah uh, we're more of the peanut gallery watching the gatherers <laughs> and judging their technique <laughs> Um, but moving on from that. So yeah, I guess there were hunters doesn't make sense. And then they're talking about how they found Bob's car or Barb's car. 
found state Barb's found car. Barb's car yes. at the train station. And they even comment they keep doing our job for us. And no one thinks that's suspicious. Well, Hopper does. Hopper's like, yeah. Except for Hopper. Fucking which, weird. <laughs> which then they have this line, and it's supposed to be a throwaway line, but I could I cannot get this out of my head. He asks, Do you think he's off his meds again? Again. Meaning Hopper has is on medication and two has gone off the medication since moving and becoming the sheriff are those the pills he's popping all the time which they don't say what kind of meds they don't say why you wouldn't admit to taking meds for your head in the 80s um but it's like oh do you think he's off his meds again no he's just spending too much time with joyce and that's kind of just where they leave it like oh he's kind of going insane like he's thinking there's something when there's nothing which like they have been alluding to hopper having a substance issue hopper being this gruff outsider bad past like no um he's from hawkins he went to school with the joyce yes yeah so he's not really an outsider he moved I mean, to the like city an outsider back. i mean like an outsider in the sense of like he doesn't have a ton of like He's not friendly, he's I guess is what I'm trying thing. to say. Yeah, like a lone wolf. Like, okay. you know, he says he he gets along with people, but he's not like, that's, yeah, I guess that's because they keep thinking about the phone call he makes later that we will talk later. And like how he can't yeah. move on from that is he's like kind of so like they are alluding to this idea that he is unstable, yeah. which they have a point because he's not well. And I do think him spending time with Joyce and Joyce kind of seeing the trees in the forest is kind of like helping him see the same thing where it's like, why would state take over for Will's body? It's Will Byers, not JFK. And I think, you know, why are they finding Barb's car? Like, why wouldn't they just call it in for them to find? Like state's getting sloppy, which the lab is panicking, but. Well, and I think part of it, too, is that Hopper has a distrust of government. Which we find out why later on. Later on. But he does have a solid, like, he trusts the small town people that he knows. He trusts that mortician. He trusts his front desk lady. He trusts his deputy and his officers. He does not trust state. He does not trust the lab. He does not trust higher-up yeah. government. He does, like... He trusts his little circle of people that he knows he can trust. And even then, he's not telling them everything. He goes to yeah. the one person that he knows will believe him. So, like, I think you're absolutely right in what you said last week of, like, the second ACAB became a thing, Hopper's out. Because he's not a police officer because he enjoys the law. I think he's a police officer because he enjoys investigation. I think he's a police officer because of that sweet, sweet pension. And he doesn't have to do work in Hawkins. Like, he's able to roll in with his brewski, his morning brewski, and not do work. But the second he knows there's something going on, he wants vengeance for the people who got hurt. Yeah. He saw these ter- the He did terrible, terrible things in Nam, And I think he's trying to repent for that. And when you can work a pretty easy gig with a pretty sweet pension and roll in with your abuse like your substance abuse 
it's a pretty easy job. But the second he's like, oh, a cab. Yeah, no, a cab. I'm out. Yeah. He would instantly bounce. Yeah. He does not have any loyalty to the government of which he's serving. He, he is doing well. And I think the other part of it too, is that a lot of former military people will go into the police force because it's something that feels somewhat familiar to them. Is like yeah. a lot of things because in the 80s they still weren't fully talking about PTSD and the the trauma that you go through in being in a war and then you come home and you're just expected to go back to normal. Well, it was a very new idea and they very talk about that idea. in season two with Will and Hopper's like, it's a legit thing. Yeah. Like, I get it. I understand it, kid. Yeah. So um, I just, I love, I love the complexity of the characters that they've created because it's not like like hopper is not just a small town cop doing his thing he is i love love how complex they make the characters they want to bring back because in stark contrast we have lonnie (laughs) who in the next scene he's dead beat dad lonnie he's patching up the hole he's like i don't want you to freeze joyce baby you're gonna why does he call her babe it made me so mad uh, because he's trying to butter her up. The he knows up in my because head. she no he is aware that she is vulnerable and he is trying to be a knight in shining armor and he takes down the lights even though she said not to but takes it down and is putting up the boards on the wall and he's like I drove by the quarry there were no signs or anything someone should be held accountable and then they start arguing. Um, no, there's a cut. Yeah, there's a cut. And the the cut is for the kids. They have the compass, which I Why did... do they have so many compasses? I'm sorry. I've been God. holding this in since I watched this on Monday. Why do they have so many compasses? They do have a weird amount of compasses. They have like five compasses between three boys. Yeah. So they have all of these compasses. Which, why do they have the compasses? Let's talk about that. Uh, well, there's the compass from Nam. Okay, and then well, there's not, the other not, compass from Nam. That's and not, then there's the other compass from Nam. God damn it. <laughs> and then Hopper throws in his compass from Nam. No. Okay. <laughs> and then Eleven's like, here's my compass from Nam. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't bored yet, but I was kind of there. Okay. I was kind of there in theory. Um, They all have compasses. And I don't know if that was just like a thing that you had, like, in an emergency kit, like you had a compass because if you don't have GPS, you need to know how to read the map. I think it's kind of figure a sign out where you that are. They're nerdy boys that do nerdy. Boy yeah. Things. I also don't know if that's like a normal thing for boys to have is a shit ton of shitty compasses because they come with all your adventure books. I don't. Maybe. Like I don't know. Did you have the dangerous book for girls and it taught you how to make flower crowns? No. I had oh the God. Girl Scouts How to Take Care of Yourself book. Oh no, I had th- no, I had that too. Okay. I also, my mom also gave me as a present when I went to middle school, the American Girl Guide on how to make friends, but she was out of town when I went to middle school. So, or like when she wanted to give it to me. So my dad had to give it to me. Okay. And it was very awkward because he just hands me the book and I'm like, what's this? And he's like, I think your mom really needs you to make some friends. (laughs) Oh my God. Do you know what happened to me the first day of sixth grade? The first day of middle school? Do you know what happened to me? What happened to you? My mom 
got pulled over by a police officer in front of the door that I had to enter. So then I had to get out of the car while my mother was pulled over to walk into school. No. Yeah. That was my first day of middle school. Sorry, it was the daring book for girls, not the dangerous oh. book for girls. The Make daring book for girls. Crowns, girly. Um, because then there's the dangerous book for boys. Oh. And it's like this book. I don't know how to even describe it. It's so dumb. It's a book of just like activities and things to do if you're a girl versus a boy. And one of them was how to make a flower crown like out of flowers. Um, and it was a big blue hardback book. I'll, I will send you a picture of send it. Send it to me. Yeah. It, it's just that's why I imagine that you they would have a ton of compasses is they would get these kind of books yeah. and it would just come with a compass. Maybe. So they have and then a, all the of the compasses from Nam. And so they have the compasses because they're talking about how do we find this massive gate? And you need to have like a lot of energy. And Eleven, Eleven is lying and she's like, I don't know where it is. But Dustin realizes the compass is screwy. And one of the things, if there was a gate to another universe, is the electromagnetic field would be disrupted. And Dustin then explains how compasses work because they're like i don't know are they all broken which honestly would also be my first thought and he's like no there's not batteries on this thing it points numb nuts. to the magnetic numb nuts. numb nuts i think so yeah oh god um but uh, i'm team lucas for this one like i don't know is it broken i don't know how compasses work they all seem like shitty compasses. i am team lucas for the next couple episodes i literally talk about that it, we will get there but like my Lucas my is boy, so Lucas, right. Lucas the Ranger. Lucas is so for real. Lucas is the Ranger in the D and D party, and as the resident Ranger, I that's my boy. Lucas keeps things real. He really truly does. Okay, um, so they're like, okay, we got to figure out where this is coming from. Let's go follow these magnets or these compasses. Yes. And then you see Eleven in the background, just like ah shit, yeah. and she is trying. She is trying to think of a way to make sure that they don't do it because she knows that if they go after it, they are in a ton of danger. And I don't know why she would even try to help Mike find Will or say anything when she knows the danger of it all. She, Yeah, because she knew who Mike, I don't know. That was very confusing to me too. So she knew who Will was. Like she had to because she picked him out of everything. So she had to know who he was. But Here's my question is, how did she know who he was? I think when she was running away, she must have seen him. So in how this is this is the other part of the timeline. How long how long after that portal open did Eleven run away? I think it would have been so she wasn't wet. She was completely dry and she was in her hospital. She was in the hospital gown, not the weight suit. I think that it would have been the next day because I think that she also gets like physically exhausted after using that much power, which makes sense. She's a child. I think that it would have been the next day. Like she probably would have passed out and then it's the next day. And then she makes her grand escape because she escapes the night that will disappears. Right. That's the theory is that, or does she escape the day after? So she escapes the night that Will 
is the night Will disappears is the same night she escapes because then she's found at Benny's and then it's raining when she's running away from Benny's. But that's the next night because that's the first night of the search party. Right, but she would have been able to run away to Benny's, I think, is first day. They don't really explain it, but I think that she runs away the same night that Will is gone and then she's found at Benny's during, like, the afternoon. So she would have been wandering around in the woods trying to find a way, like, a place to go. So Eleven would have had to either escape early that morning, which feels unlikely, just based on how they like to have their timeline, but they do meet her on that night. It feels likely if you think about it in the sense of, like, that whole lab's probably freaking the fuck out about whatever giant thing is just coming. Because remember, remember how the entire season opens? Yeah, that's true. That's true. The entire oh my god, season- the show's timeline is so difficult to keep track of, and I've been keeping careful track of each note. Like, what day is you're about to, to have to red string theory this? Like, because yeah, because the entire thing opens. That whole area is completely locked down. Eleven probably was just like, "Fuck you guys! I'm getting the fuck out." The one way that I got shown how. So yeah, okay. So I think the portal opens. Demogorgon comes out and starts eating people, killing people, whatever. I think amongst the chaos, Eleven would have had to be pulled out of the deprivation chamber, changed into her hospital gown, because she's not wearing the weight right. suit. So there the has to have gown. been time in between for her to be wearing Because the Demogorgon probably like that. He, the Demogorgon was touched through the void, but he probably wasn't like right on the other side of that wall. He was probably somewhere else. The portal opened and then he probably came to it. So there's probably a period of time where they were like, door, like portal cracks open, nothing happens. But that doesn't make sense because then Will is supposed. So that must have happened like during the day. And then the Demogorgon goes through and starts hunting because then by nighttime, he's getting Will. This timeline drives me nuts. So. Now we're jumping back. We're jumping we into episode jumping five again. Into episode five. I really like Nancy's outfit when she's swinging the baseball bat. That was my favorite Nancy outfit. Such a cute outfit. I wish I had bought it back when I played Dead by Daylight. We uh, mm-hmm. another thing first. Joyce is like so smart. She looks through Lonnie's stuff. She sees the thing from the injury and accidental death lawyer. Yeah. Oh, that's not. That's after Steve apologizes. So we're not at that point yet because I have a whole thing about NYU. But that's when they were fighting. So Joyce can remember the fast cuts. (laughs) So like Joyce sees the thing in his bag while he's showering. To which I just want to say Jonathan comes home, changes after the funeral, and then has not been home since. Oh, I make a ton of notes on that. Okay, Um, perfect. Because I got really distracted by Nancy's outfit because with Nancy's outfit. Nancy's outfit, perfect. She's talking with Steve because he comes over unprompted. Steve also to check in on her. Yes. To say, I'm sorry. I was a jerk to Jonathan. I was out of line. He asks her about Barb. He asks her if she's okay. And then he's like, Do you want to go do watch a movie and we can just pretend things are normal for a few hours? Like, kind of escape all of the things that are wrong and terrible. Hmm. And then she says, No. And he says, Okay, well, if you like, I'll give you space. I'll let you do your thing. I'm here for you when you need it. And then he goes. He doesn't protest. He doesn't make a stink about it. He doesn't make her feel bad about it. 
he just walks away. He's like, I shot my shot. I did my duty. I did what I had to do. I tried. Why won't she just admit to dating him? Why? He, at this point, is too good for her. She does not deserve Steve at this point. No. At this point, this Nancy does not deserve Steve. Season four, Nancy, we will talk about when we get to season four, because that is an entirely different Nancy, which yeah. the, the Nancy in next episode is a different Nancy. Nancy. <laughs> okay. So also, I want to say his hair gets so much better in that scene. Mm-hmm. The more frustrated he gets, the better his hair looks. Because he's running his hand he's through his running hair. Running his hand time. through his hair. Okay. He's real. He got a new can of hairspray. Okay. Uh, my next note is literally just Jonathan, please. I don't know what I'm Jonathan pleasing, but I'm Jonathan pleasing. Yeah, I also don't know because I don't really have any Jonathan notes at that oh, point. Oh, um, Bonnie took Jonathan hunting. This answers that question that you and I had when we were talking about episode one, when you were like, right, but that who taught Will how to load yet. a gun? I know. Yeah, but that but conversation doesn't happen yet. I just, no, you're right. Here's I the feel thing. Vindicated. You are correct. <laughs> no, I'm, you are correct and I was wrong. Um, I just didn't think that it would have been, it could have been Jonathan who taught Will because the thing is Lonnie just seems to have zero interest in anything to do with Will that even trying to bond with him at a point where it would have been safe to teach a child how to load a gun at age nine, he seemed to have been peace the fuck out living in Indianapolis. Here's what I think is I think that Joyce is less of a mother to Jonathan because Joyce when she sees Jonathan thinks of the time with Lonnie because Lonnie was around for long enough for at least a few years of Jonathan's life. Like what is the difference in their ages? Jonathan's a junior. And so like 16, so there's four years difference in their age. So. Um, he would have been a sophomore because he's the same age as Nancy. Steve is currently a junior. And then um, in season four, that's when their seniors applying for college. Right. So there's like a few years and few he years. can remember, he can remember like his parents fighting before the divorce and everything. And we don't know how long that's been, but. But I think most of Will's life has been just Joyce. So she probably feels a little bit more like she doesn't feel as much of the history with Lonnie with um, Will. No, so. I don't know if that's true because we see when Will starts really liking, should I stay or should I go? Yeah. His parents are fighting. No, that's not just fighting. That's So what that scene is, is Lonnie is supposed to show up to take Will to a baseball game to spend time with right. him. They're already divorced and have been divorced. He was supposed to just show up to be a dad and he flaked again. Right, 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 right. Um, but yeah, so we see... Joyce looking through his stuff, which smart, because I think that something tipped her off. Something was wrong. Um, tipped her off. She looks through. And then I want to talk about them screaming because I want to talk about NYU. And NYU, we're, Lonnie. We're going to touch on season four a little bit, but it's important. And it's not about Eddie. It's just about Jonathan. So it's fine. Fine. Because it's all about NYU. Um, <laughs> Tell me about NYU. I am heartbroken that Jonathan has wanted to go to NYU since he was six years old. Joyce even says it. He had ambitions. He had dreams. He had things he wanted to do. Season four, he is actively lying to Nancy about 
the colleges he's applied to and what he's going to do after graduation. And he's lying to everyone around him. And he only tells Argyle the truth. And he says he has to stay there for his mom and his brother. He can't go off to college. He can't do the things he wants to do. He feels responsible to take care of them. And that is what I wanted to talk about. I just had to touch because we know in season one, NYU has been his dream since he was six years old. For 10 years, all he did was dream about going to NYU. And it probably felt like a very unattainable dream because how you have no money. They couldn't afford it. So it was always a hype dream. He probably wanted to go and study photography and like go be artsy and like live a life in the big city away from Hawkins because he doesn't feel like he belongs there. After what happens and losing Will in season two and moving to California and being with Nancy and all of this stuff, he gave up on the one dream he had, which would be to go to NYU. And it just breaks my heart to think that he had these dreams and had these things he wanted to do. Because even though he's kind of a creep, he's not a bad guy. Yeah. And it was NYU, Lonnie. He's been saying it since he was six years old. Yeah, that I I thought about that, too, when I was watching that, about how heartbreaking that makes season four that much more heartbreaking. It really does. And then um, I hated when Lonnie was like, he would be better off, like, if you weren't as well, like, you know him and Lonnie or Joyce and Lonnie fighting and talking about Jonathan. And then when he was like, well, look what happened about Will, like, because it's Joyce's fault. Cause she's like, at least I've been here. You haven't. And he's like, yeah, well look what happened. And I'm just like, that's such an unfair thing to say. And I hated it. I hated it. Oh, Lonnie is a terrible guy. He's a terrible, he terrible the guy. Worst. I think this is an interesting dichotomy because after this, we see Hopper make a phone call. To his ex-wife. Yes. Um, which the ex-wife has a new child and that I was gutted, which I I made this note because I laughed. Um, my note was, oh God, Hopper's ex having a new baby. Oh, that gutted. Because I wanted to say that hurted. And then my phone autocorrected it to gutted. And I was like, no, you're right, phone. I was gutted. <laughs> I was absolutely gutted no, with that. No, that knowledge. is, it, it's heartbreaking because he has been so stuck in the pain and she has moved on so far to have had another child. Which I will say, I don't have any children. I've never had any children. So I don't know what else you're supposed to, like, I imagine that they were pretty young when they lost their daughter so i don't know how you move on from that or like what life looks like but it's not like life stops her life didn't end and i think that hopper's coming at it from such a point of this is my punishment because i killed innocent people yep. that yep. she's yep. not yep. coming yep. at it from yep. and he's coming at it from like this is my fault that yeah. my daughter had cancer mm -hmm. where she kind of understands sometimes good people get cancer yeah. Sometimes children get sick and die. Well, and I think he was already dealing with so much trauma personally that yeah, he just got stuck. Okay, so yeah. also one of the flashbacks we get while they're walking along the train tracks is the first time that we see the bath. Yes, and in the bath is the first time we see Elle, like the first time in the bath is also the first time that Elle sees the Demogorgon because she's just spying on the Russian guy. And I think 
with inspiring on the Russian guy is when Papa realizes that there's other stuff out there and that one might still be alive. Right. Because I think up until that point, he probably assumed he was dead. Which, remember when he says we're going to look for someone else now? Someone very important? Mm-hmm. We all thought it was going to be a Russian person in season one. But maybe it wasn't. Maybe it wasn't. Okay. So then we have Nancy and Jonathan's talk slash argument. Um, they're shooting at this point. Or I guess we kind of skipped over the shooting. Kind of skipped but... over the shooting. But Nancy does talk about how her mom was young, married her dad who was older, had a cushy job, moved into the end of yeah. the cul-de-sac. How she doesn't want to be like that. And then they're walking through the woods. Nancy asked Jonathan what she was yeah. saying in her picture. And he's like, oh, you weren't trying to be somebody else for once. And she was Which like. Which I got to add to the bullshit counter. The oh, yes, you got to counter. add to the bullshit counter. Um, I don't think that there were any bullshits in episode six. So I think we are. So far, it's like one every other episode. I think she's too traumatized. <laughs> she has not yet really entered her bullshit era but she takes so much offense to saying that she was hiding and that she could finally be herself when she thought that she was fully alone and i know that some people think that nancy is going to get together with robin and i would say this is the only evidence that i could actually see supporting that is how knee-jerk reaction she is for i'm not hiding i'm not trying to be anyone else i'm i am who i am because you kind of see that with, um, I don't know, like, I think you see that as a common trope of like, I'm not hiding, I'm, I'm exactly who I am, very much, but I'm a cheerleader way, where it's like, yeah. she's trying to hide that aspect of herself. I guess I see it in the way of but, like, because there was a lot of reference in this episode to Nancy being Miss Perfect and the princess. And like, I think the idea of like, oh, all of a sudden she's going to this party and she's drinking and she's like doing all this stuff that isn't her because she's, and then Jonathan makes this reference like, oh, she's trying to rebel in all of the way that those suburban girls think that they're trying to rebel and do something different, but then they all end up doing the exact same thing eventually. Yes, and I think that Nancy took a lot of offense to that because I think no matter what she does, she feels like she can't win. She's either Miss Perfect and people are going to make fun of her for doing exactly what she's supposed to, or she's going to rebel. And there's a reason why everyone in suburbia starts teenage drinking, because it's against the rules and it's the only outlet you have to kind of break a law. You can't go, besides like murder, but you're not going to go from being little Miss Perfect to murder. This isn't Heather's. So it's... I kind of understand like why Nancy's taking offense. I also think this idea of hiding something of who you are really struck a nerve. And I can see why people would use that um, as evidence, like for other parts of her character that might not be explored yet. I think, I think Nancy just doesn't know who she is at this point. Like, I think that she just doesn't yeah. have a solid sense of who she is. I also think that when Nancy immediately starts defending Steve in that, where it's like, what, because I like Steve, I'm kind of like, you could have fooled us. You refuse to admit that you're dating him. You refuse to go out with him. You 
seem very embarrassed that you have feelings for him, even though it's a very normal thing to like the smoke show that is Steve Harrington. And I would just like to say, Steve is a nice guy. The camera was a completely justified loss. He had every right to be mad at Jonathan, regardless of if Nancy was in the picture or not, because that is still a creepy violation. Jonathan was being creepy, which speaking of Jonathan, him being like, I don't like most people reminded me of Riverdale where Jughead's like, I'm a weirdo, Betty. I'm weird. I like to wear this hat all the time. That's weird. I'm not normal. I just. Yeah, that was a point where I was like, oh, Jonathan, I went to school with so many versions of you. Um, My Ugh. other note on that is I called it insult wars because she was calling him a pretentious creep. And she was insulting him. I was saying that it wasn't a fair fight because she was insulting his actions. He's acting pretentious. He's acting creepy. Those are choices that he's making. Whereas he went after something that she has expressed being afraid of. She doesn't want to live her life like her mom. She wants to be more than that. Yeah. And he was insulting that and saying that's exactly what she's going to do. She's doing exactly that thing that she said that she was afraid of doing. And I feel like it wasn't fair. And then he leaves her in the woods and she goes into the tree. No, this is this the, is the before tree portal. That. This is before that. They stick together. He, he walks away in the woods. Like he walks much further in the woods than her. But then they're next to each in other when scene. they find the deer. Yeah. No, that's true. Like they do catch up. Yeah. But it's just like, and then walk away in the woods where your brother went missing. She could die, Jonathan. Well, and I just, I really feel like it's just that Nancy doesn't know who she is. She, I think what it is, is she likes Steve because she thinks she's supposed to like Steve. She doesn't know if she actually does like Steve or not because she doesn't know what she wants or who she is or any sense of that at all. And I think that Steve is a good guy and Nancy just doesn't, she just doesn't know who she is or anything. I do think she likes Steve. I think that she likes Barb more. I don't think not Nancy like is. in a not in a gay way, okay. but not in a gay way. Like I don't think she was gay for Barb. I think she liked Barb more. Like she was well, talking was about the best... week before. Yeah. She was shopping with Barb to find the perfect top and it took all weekend cuz she wanted to impress Steve. She likes Steve. But Everything with Steve kind of came secondary when she realized she was never going to see Barb again. Yeah. Like, Which goes back to what we were saying last week about Nancy's yeah. one-track mind. She thinks about one thing at a time. She cannot think about whether or not she likes Steve right now. Nan uh, Barb is missing. She has to go find Barb. She'll think about yeah. this when Barb is back. <laughs> Which the thing is that almost she almost contradicts herself because she clearly likes Jonathan too. She's kind of flirting like, what was I saying? And I think it's because there's no pressure with Jonathan. If she goes out with Jonathan, it's nothing. She can be in the woods and talk about these things. It's nothing. She can kind of write it off and go back to her normal life. She's escaping, in a sense, to monster hunt. Yeah. Um, but when it's with Steve, it's kind of real. Like, there's actual consequences because that's supposed to be someone she's supposed to like where she's not supposed to like Jonathan. But... Moving I, on. I think that's, yeah, I think that makes sense. She yeah. feels a lot of pressure everywhere and she doesn't know what she wants. And Jonathan does not pressure. He doesn't put pressure on her. He kind of just lets her be yeah. herself. But uh, Hopper shows up at Joyce's house. 
He has a note. It says, don't talk. And then he sees all of the lights in her house. All of those fucking and Christmas lights. wants to die in that moment. <laughs> he said, I did not take enough pills for this one. Nope. So then we have a big scene. We have the fight in, between... in the junkyard between um, all of the party members, between yes. everyone. Because we find out that Eleven has been manipulating the compass to go away from the lab. Lucas, rightfully so, is pissed off because he's like, we need to save Will. We have to go save Will. She isn't helping us. She is lying to us. Because Mike is distracted by Elle. Dustin is distracted. Dustin is trying to keep everybody happy and is kind of just along for the ride, but is very much also like distracted by Eleven superpowers. And I feel yeah. like Lucas is the only one who at this point is like, hello, did you guys forget about Will? He he's very focused. Like he knows what has to happen. He if Will is alive, they have to go get Will. Yeah. Everyone like Dustin knows that, too. But Dustin, I think, is just much more trusting. He's giving Eleven the benefit of the doubt. And Mike is distracted. Yeah. Um, They fight. And Lucas is correct. Lucas did not draw first blood. Mike drew first blood. And then Eleven does try to get them to stop. She panics and flings Lucas across the air. And Lucas does get pretty hurt. He knocks out. Emotionally and physically. He gets knocked the fuck out. That boy has a concussion. He could have died. He could have died. Eleven could have killed him. And we've seen Eleven does not necessarily have the best control over her powers. Especially nor does in she season. seem Yeah. Nor does she seem that worried about preserving human life. Which I think is a reflection on where she grew up. No, absolutely. And we see this more in season four with like how the other kids are kind of like pit against each other and yes. it's a competition to survive. Mm-hmm. She's trying to survive and she's trying to keep Mike surviving like they're she's trying to keep him alive too they're trying to survive and it definitely i don't think she meant to hurt him but i also definitely see why lucas is like i no fuck you guys like later in the episode fuck you guys i'm gonna keep looking for will i do not trust her i don't blame she's not part of this yeah and i'm like lucas is right lucas Lucas is right points lucas is i literally lucas is kind of right tbh that's literally my next note which also i want to say in the middle of all of this we get a cut back to joyce yes she's told that she is right and i was like she just won everything she She, is at the top of the world she, she doesn't care what else happens she's going to bone hopper right in this moment if given the opportunity she's so turned on because she is told the one thing she wants to hear her entire life. Joyce, you were right. Also, I want to note, because this is when we get the flashback to the portal opening. Yes. Is the portal is not where the rainbow room was, which like we talked about last week. No, it's a different one. The portal is in where the tub was. Yes. So that was a different room. I noticed that and I Mm -hmm. made note of it. Yeah. This is not the original thing. So... This is a different portal because Eleven made this portal. Well, she did make the one for one, too, in the Rainbow Room. But she She made a new one. Yes. 
So I have a feeling that portal up in the rainbow room probably closed because it's after they find the second, like the Demogorgon and the second portal that we know that he's looking for something in the upside down. And it could just be the Demogorgon, but that, Papa seems Brenner, stressed. Right? Yes. Yeah. The Brenner is looking for something in the upside down. Yeah. I just keep calling him Papa. I know he has a real name. I know oh, we pet- know it's Dr. Martin okay. Brenner. He's Papa because it feels creepier to call him Papa. And I Honestly, think that's more fitting for his character. You know what sucks is that I call my dad Papa. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> That's what but also my dad, like with the relationship that Hopper and Eleven have really makes me think of my dad, too. Aww. I know. <laughs> I just like, I don't know. I relate to Eleven a lot with her dad. <laughs> OK, Um. so now we're almost and at the end have... of episode five. Yes. Um, And no one seems to ask where the fuck are jonathan and nancy they are gone the entire friday and all of these kids are out all of friday where do their parents think they are which i guess now you don't really care because you know that will drown in the quarry so there's no secret plot right out there. and the funeral was just today so they're probably like just let the kids grieve like just let them do their thing it's the 80s yeah. they'll be home it's a lawless, lawless land. Lawless, lawless um, land. Jim Hopper, our chief of police, is unscrewing light bulbs in Joyce Byers' house. Yeah, we got other things going on. We got on. other things going on. Okay, so Jonathan and Nancy. Oh, the other thing about when they're shooting, Jonathan tells a story about the bunny rabbit and how he like had to kill it and whatever. Yeah, and then he drops the line at the end, I'm not nine anymore. Right, because he's going to go kill this deer that's in pain. So they find a deer that got potentially hit by a car it's lying in pain he wants to put it out of his misery to shoot it right before Mm -hmm. he shoots it it gets dragged off they're trying to figure out where it went it's in it's dark for some reason they're not looking at where their flashlights are pointing they're just looking at the ground even though it's dark that that piece annoyed me i was like you guys are holding flashlights and you're like this like what where did it go like oh it, it annoyed me Anyways, Nancy finds a portal in a tree. The tree portal. The tree portal. And Nancy can't find Jonathan. She's like, Jonathan, I don't know where he is. Which I was like, is this the same as like in the shed where it blocks sound? I think that once you see the portal, you almost start going through it. Like it starts like like, kind of. You were mentioning this. Um, in a different episode where the woods are a very fairy tale thing. It's yeah. its own character is the woods. Yeah. And I think the portal is kind of the same way where it's the portal. Yeah. And once you see the portal, that's when you start going through it. That makes sense. You don't have because Jonathan's not that far away because when it cuts into the next episode, he's not that far away. He's like a few feet They're away. They're like on top of each other, essentially. Yeah. And then but she can't hear him she can't really see him all she can see is the portal so i feel like it's almost like this hypnotic thing where you get pulled into it and that's why she goes into it because it wouldn't make sense for nancy to not show it to jonathan first before going in but if she thinks that she can't he's gone then she would just go in so i agree she can't hear jonathan 
she goes through and he, we get we get a very big thing we get the first shot of the demogorgon we this get is the first, the first full shot of the demogorgon full shot because we did see we saw its back of it we saw its back yeah but we get the full like face shot of the demogorgon so this is the first time yes. which you know what i did notice what did you notice Evan is in the void and goes to touch the demogorgon the sound is almost like ticking it is not quite but some dumbasses on the internet could believe that that is ticking i didn't hear ticking and i think the thing like actually no that's a lie now that i i heard more of like a uh, metronome like a rep kind of like and a reptilian kind of sound like there you know yeah, those like, like reptilian clicks yes not a yes. ticking but not clicking. a ticking but a clicking but i i heard that and i was like some dumbass on the internet is gonna say this is ticking <laughs> which here's the thing i understand why we want to have the ticking sound we want all of these seasons to have some overarching plot we want it to all connect to each other I don't think that the Duffer brothers thought that far ahead. I'm nope. sorry. They did not. I just don't think it. There is literally an so. interview somewhere where they said they barely had plot when they off. Like they didn't even have like a plot when they brought this to Netflix. They just said, think of it as like an E.T. meets 80s meets horror movie thing. Like they didn't. They didn't. Yeah. yeah. So um, my note for episode five is Jonathan then finds Nancy's backpack and Bat looks directly at the portal and then is like, where'd, where'd Nancy go? Where? I have that note too. Go? I'm like, do you not see the pulsing fucking light? Dumbass. <laughs> He's a fucking dumbass. So let's go straight into episode six because yep. this is where we're zooming. Nancy, um, as we know her, gone then. forever gone she does not exist she is someone she's a new person entirely. she's a new person she gutted which, that nancy from the inside out which i will say charlie and natalia dyer mm -hmm. charlie Char that's his I name don't, i could not think of it yeah charlie the actors they have been dating since 2016 they've been dating since the beginning mm. and they have such good chemistry they do so good and that is why i think that we can just forgive jonathan is because their chemistry <laughs> is so they are good so because cute they go together. back to her house wait so at the beginning first, of this episode first yes nancy is stuck in the upside down being hunted which i want to say yeah being hunted by the demogorgon and yet is yelling jonathan's name girl again this happens throughout the entire series they're like we have to be quiet and then they're screaming and we i'm have like, to be quiet jonathan <laughs> jonathan what the fuck okay so yes she gets pulled um, out right before the portal closed so we do know that the portals can close yes and but we don't know who is in charge of the portals right it could be the demogorgon it trapping prey the hive mind it yes um but we don't know no no she is able to escape jonathan helps her out she's covered in ick She's covered in, in ick. She was. She is the very first person out of all of this stuff besides Will to have seen the face of that thing. Yes, she did not see Will. So Will's probably hiding out by his house. Will is probably by um, the house. She makes it out. Jonathan comforts her. They go back to the Wheeler's house. Steve is like, 
I'm worried about she's, my not girlfriend. Yes. He's driving with his hi. friends. I just want to check on her. And they are her. giving him such a hard time. They're I such assholes. I fucking hate them. I hate them. Yes. Tommy and Carol he, can suck my left nut. So truly. Um, he jumps up into her window, which, Nancy, learn how to close your blinds. Seriously, Nancy? A lot of your drama could have been avoided. Close the blinds. Why did you not he, do that after the thing you just went through? Excuse. Hello. Um, what we what Steve sees could be interpreted a few ways. Few they ways. are both fully clothed. Her hair is soaking wet, but they are fully clothed. He is putting like something around like a sweater. her shoulders. His like sweater. sweater. It's like a sweater. Um, putting it around her shoulders. He is comforting her, and they are facing away from that window. I would like to point out this is still the same Friday night of his brother's funeral. Steve knows that she is upset about Nancy um, or Barb. Uh, about Barb. Nancy's upset about Barb. She just went through this funeral for her brother's best friend. She's probably also kind of in this weird spot because she doesn't know what happened to Barb. Who is also Jonathan's brother. Yes, Jonathan's brother is the one whose funeral it is. And it's like Nancy grew up with Will as well. Remember, like they make references to like four years ago, she was in this campaign. Like Nancy knows Will. It's not like this is just, oh, my little brother's friend. Like Nancy knows him. know Jonathan as well because they're the same age. They would have known each other. Mm -hmm. He, but so I'm just kind of like from my perspective, I could see how that's a platonic thing. You come over unannounced. Play stupid games, win stupid prizes, you're going to get your feelings hurt. But Steve also knows that Nancy will just just cannot admit that she likes him, cannot say that their boyfriend, girlfriend, can't do anything. So I understand, like, why he's hurt. Yes. But it's also one of those things where it's like, Steve, maybe if you had just called, if you had given her the night, if you had just talked to her the next day, given her... The space if that you, you actually had knocked promised? on the window and been like, what's going on? And she could be like, hey, just went through a traumatic event. Thing with tea. Yeah. I don't know. Like, well, she's not like, going to do that because she doesn't tell Steve things. Which it's not crazy to think like, again, they just went to this funeral together. Do you not think that maybe her parents would know that he's up there? Like, they could just be friends. Like, they're really close. None of that. He does take it really personally. And I kind of see why. And then he leaves and he probably tells his friends immediately that she was up there with Jonathan Jonathan and his friends were probably like, I bet they're fucking because that's who they are. And that's what leads to some of the other drama later in the episode. Um, Yes. So. Joyce and Hopper. Have I love their bickering. They have their little smoking session, and I don't know what it is about those two smoking those fucking cigarettes that makes me just want to light up a cigarette with them. But God, they just make me want to start smoking again. That whole scene, I was just like, why do you guys make smoking sexy? Like, stop doing that. Well, it's It's not good for my lungs. They do anything, and it's sexy because they're sexy. True. Okay, so they also, they're starting to put together who Eleven is. Yes, and this is when we get um, Joyce Byers, the art critic, because she's like, Joyce Byers, the art critic. (laughs) Was it good? It's a child's drawing. Was Was it it good? good? (laughs) And he's like, I don't know, stick figures. Call back to, call back to, well, Izzy, he's missing. (laughs) Yeah, seriously, she has such, 
great delivery on these things. Uh, then she slaps down the picture with the, the fireball cabbage. cabbages. Ca- fireball cabbage. And she's like, then it's not Will. And that's when they start to be together. Oh, my God. There's a second kid. We've been chasing the wrong kid. Hopper has been chasing the second kid this entire time. Which, ironically, the second kid has been leading them to Will. Ironically. So yes. the next scene is one of the best scenes outside of one of the best scenes outside of any episode by Sean Levy is that scene in the shower with Nancy. It it is the perfect horror movie angle and the jumps back and forth and the coloring on her skin and it just everything about that I just was like this is you yes. can see the change in her you can see that she is different now yes she has um, changed and then you have jonathan rolling out the sleeping bag everything in that room is so fucking pink and bright and like it, i know they did that on purpose but that that like dichotomy so between the two, and so little girl it's so little and she is not a little girl anymore it feels like she is saving all of this stuff for Holly. And it feels like this would be Holly's room. And it, it feels like she's she's just starting to grow out. Like she was starting to like grow out of it. But now there is no going back. That girl has had a penis inside of her and looked at Demogorgon in the eyes and lived to tell the tale. There is no childhood anymore. <laughs> yep. Um, sorry, there's something about the way you phrased <laughs> that. She had a penis and saw Demogorgon. She is no longer a child. I'm sorry. I... The words came out before they formed fully in my brain. I apologize. I don't know. That's a pretty accurate description of growing up. You have sex for the first time. You see a monster. Sometimes it's on the same night. Sometimes it's a little bit later. (laughs) Sometimes it's two days later. But that's when you know that you are a woman. Yeah. Like (laughs) the Nancy that we knew before this point. Which... Yeah. Gone. Um, there, there is no reference to her anymore. And then she's like, just get into the bed. Like, she, it's too weird for her that he's on the floor. Well, and I think she um, also wants to have someone next to her. She like, can't stand the idea of being alone. Because he's also like, I can go home. Jonathan, I will admit, is very thoughtful in this moment. He will sleep on the floor or he'll go home. She has to tell him to get into the bed because I think she needs to know that he's still there. And he, she needs that anchor. Yeah. Uh, my only question is, where are her parents? Where Must are be, his parents? Well, we know where Joyce is. Um, Bonnie's driving why, back to Indianapolis. Yeah. Joyce is sitting with Hopper, talking about Eleven and Will. And then um, I will also make this note that this is so season two coded. Because this scene almost plays out exactly beat by beat in Murray's house. Where they refuse to share a bed together. And then we get, you know, which we'll talk about later. Season but... two was a hundred percent built off of season one, and season three went off the goddamn rails. Yeah, um, but it's and the now best it's Saturday morning. <laughs> okay, <laughs> and now it's Saturday morning. Saturday morning. We are six days since yes. Will went missing. Okay. Um, oh, there's a basement door. That's how Eleven was getting in and out. That's how they were sneaking her in and out. There's a basement door in the back of the house. Man, it must be so easy to do shit in the 80s. God, I miss... I wish that I could God. just get away with stuff in the eight, like 
they did in the 80s. Right? Um, okay. I'm an adult now. I can't get away with stuff like they did in the 80s. I wish no one in charge of me. Okay. Joyce does not notice that Jonathan literally has not been home since the funeral. Yes. Um, we see Nancy in like start her life as a detective because she couldn't sleep so she's just researching starting her animals. life as a detective she and hopper um, are gonna be great friends someday yes and then we have that point where it's like her mom tries to enter but the door is locked and she's jonathan like i'm getting dressed comment, yeah i'm getting dressed um and jonathan makes this comment where it's like your mom doesn't knock and he like seems surprised by that and I would just like to say, girl moms do not knock. Girl moms do not knock. Are you kidding me? They, a, they a do the thing where they, just, oh, they open the door while knocking. They The door is opening and they're going, a knock, knock, knock. Like, <laughs> no, my mom will just open the door. She's like, hey, what's up? The only reason my mom knocks when she enters my room now is because she has walked in on me so many times to the point where I used to get changed because my door did not lock growing up. I would stand by the door while I changed so I could stop people from entering because my mom will not knock. And she's walked in on me on accident so many times. And that is the only reason she knocks now is I had to condition her into knocking. But girl moms do not knock. Growing up, my mom never knocked on the door for me, but she would for my brothers. <laughs> okay, next. I The only next, the next one I have is just, I love Dustin. What did Dustin do that I love? Um, Dustin brought the party back together. Dustin brought the party back together. He went to Mike and was like, you and Lucas need to make up. You have to shake hands. And he's like, fine, I'll shake hands if Lucas apologizes. And then Dustin's like, Mike, you're being an asshole. You need to apologize. He brings them back together. He makes them make up. Um, and they do fix things. Um, it's still a little bit off the rails with their friendship. But... They had a heart to heart and they kind of came to terms with what happened. Like, well, not fully because Lucas was like, I'm not going to shake your hand. I'm going to go find Will. If you're going to go look for yeah. Eleven, I'm going to go look for Will. Fuck you guys. So they do not so, shake yeah, hands they're, at they're this still point. Still a little bit. Yeah, they have not shaken hands, yeah. but they understand where each other's coming from at the very least. Yes. But Lucas is like, you've lost the plot. We need to save Will. And he's like, no, we need to get Eleven because we need to have a um power. We need to have a weapon. Yeah. What are we supposed to do? We don't, we are powerless against this thing, which, which Mike has a point for that. But Mike also just will not, rec like, cannot reconcile that he was ignoring his friends for 11, that he's kind of lost the plot. He's more focused on this girl than his friends. And Lucas is not going to apologize first, but Lucas doesn't have to apologize first. He has been correct. Yes. And then also Eleven spends the night in the woods. We see her wake up in the woods. She goes down to try to put the wig on yes. herself. That wig is no longer that fancy lace front wig that just fits her because she doesn't have her bald cap on this time. It doesn't fit. She takes it off. She screams into the water. It's intense. That girl needs some yes. fucking therapy. Yep. Quick cut. Um, Karen Wheeler knows how to unlock doors with bobby pins. Goes she's got a delinquent past. That girl, I, was, I saw she that. She's a delinquent. Then we hard cut again, and Millie is in the lab, and she looks so young going into that chamber. Like, she looks younger than what she's supposed to look. She looks like an infant to me. Then we hard cut again. She's getting frozen waffles, which my question here, how is she supposed to eat those waffles? They're frozen. She's eating them frozen. Them? 
The girl's so eating them frozen. Sad. She has to be eating them frozen. That's so gross. She must be like, these are disgusting now. Yeah. <laughs> Why was I eating these? No, she ate like so um, many of them. Okay. Then we have the really cute. This is where all of these really fast cuts come from. So we're just going to fly through them. Really yep. cute conversation between Lucas or between Dustin and Mike where Lucas is like, yes. or where Dustin is like, listen, I know that Lucas is your best friend. I know that I showed up in the fourth grade. You guys were closer and we have, it's really cute. The wheelers love their bullshit because Mike says, I call bull on your logic. Yes. Um, I can have more than one best friend, which I'm like, but having a best friend doesn't imply you have one because they're the best, but that's also like such a childish mentality and that it seems like very... they kind of move past that. Yes. But Dustin's really not anyone's best friends. Dustin's always kind of on the outskirts. Which I Dustin Which, like, deserves is sad. best friends. He does deserve best friends. But we also see that Will and Mike are really close. Lucas and Mike are supposed to be best friends because they live right next to each other. But I would say that it's really Will and Mike who are supposed to be absolute best friends. Because they're always the ones who are shown to be the closest. Well, and I think Will and Lucas are very close as well. I think they're all very close. Like, I think this idea that Dustin has that he's on the outside more, I think he kind yeah. of does to himself a little bit. Yeah. But, um, okay, so then we cut to, oh my God, I forgot how much happens in the second half of this episode. So yes. they really spell out who 11 Terry Ives is. and 11. So, yeah. yeah. We so, get a lot of Terry Ives. <laughs> we're talking and a lot of so Jane. fast to get through this. Okay. We got to slow ourselves down. We got too excited. Yeah, it's so it's exciting. Do you know how hard it was for me to not continue watching this? Honestly. Um Okay, so, so get, Hopper They go to Terry Ives. Hopper calls his big city connections, gets the name and the address for Terry Ives. They go find Terry Ives because that's who they know was part of the experiments with Dr. Brunner in the 70s. Yes. They go find her. Which, she is gone. She's not there. She Which is, I have to say, yeah. MK Ultra being the reason we have Eleven, I know that we established that earlier on, but them saying that, I'm like, what the fuck? It's the most what? 70s cop-out. Like, Yeah. Like, it feels like such a cop-out. It, but it is. And you know what? See With all of this stuff in this story, okay, fine. We'll give it a cop-out. Yeah. Um, But we see, you know, Joyce is really taken by this because... Terry has been waiting for her daughter and, you know, and, and Hopper's like, okay, but we think her daughter exists. We saw her five days ago. Is that correct in the timeline, by the way? Did they see her five days ago? I believe that's correct. Because no, they, saw they her Monday. so they wouldn't have seen her. The sighting Benny of Benny's is what I mean. This, the sighting. Yes. Yeah. That's what I meant. The sighting happened. Um, so yeah, about like five, six days. Uh, okay. Yeah, five, five days because uh, they would have seen her on Monday. But okay. and they they literally they make sure that there is no question that Eleven is Jane because it's literally like this girl with magical powers cut to Eleven doing something who does this thing cut to Eleven doing something. And then if she's like this yeah. cut to it, it like they spell it out so fucking clearly that like and then nobody in season two. Missed. They also say it, but I do yeah. think that, so I'm just stating this so that we can come back to it um, because the sister says that there was a miscarriage and the baby was never born, but I think in season two, they say that she was still born and that no one believes her because she's like, I heard the baby crying and it's like, no, the baby was still born, didn't which, survive. Which they can, you can call it the same thing, a miscarriage yeah. and a stillborn birth. I, I would give 
that leeway to be like they can change the story a little bit because miscarriage implies before ready to be born but it seems like in season two she was going through normal labor and it was a stillborn yes yes so i'm just make i don't we don't have to dwell on this just make it i do want to yeah i'm making note of it and i'm stating a note of it because i thought that was interesting because we are talking so much about um terry and jane and then that comes up as a huge plot point in season two yeah absolutely then we hard cut cut. to the guns and ammo store but it's not the same one from season four no because that one is on the edge of town this one is in town this is a tiny one in town yes and i thought it was funny because he i was like you know it's the 80s because he's asking what they're doing instead of just like selling a because i don't think any ammo store now would be like what are you doing with all this stuff they'd be like have a fun weekend well but also they would would check id and not let two 16 year olds buy ammunition all right i don't okay again i've never been hunting i've never attempted to buy ammunition i don't know whatever um i think you can buy ammunition i don't think you can buy i don't know i don't think they care that much people who buy ammunition weigh in i don't know yeah i don't think they care that much um anyways and then my next note i don't even remember writing this i said stop flirting you disgusting perverts in regards to nancy and jonathan (laughs) girl okay but the next thing that happens this is a big is thing the movie theater incident. so a guy drives by and is like hey nancy can't wait to see your movie and she's like what are you talking about runs to go to the movie theater and there because steve had said do you want to go see all the right moves and on that movie theater sign it says all the right moves starring nancy the slut wheeler yes um then she runs into the alley and sees steve and friends which that and girl are... with photos is there yes so she's just friends with steve um she sees steve and friends and they are writing like jonathan byers is a pervert or jonathan byers is a creep or something like that on are the they side writing that yeah oh i didn't even see that yeah like it's kind of in the back like it's obstructed but you can see byers and pervert or creep or whatever like they're okay. writing something about him on the side of the building she's upset she slaps him and she he's like fair. a fair reaction i saw I you last night fair reaction fair he reaction. was out of line he this was out, out of line. line i think that it was probably his friends amping him up because this seems very out of character for steve or his friends did it or his friends you did can it see tommy's the holding... one spraying yeah so he i think that it was them trying to make their friend feel better i don't think it was steve yes she's upset she's like what the fuck is wrong with you he's like well why don't you just go back to jonathan you were awfully cozy last night were you just studying because he kind of knows how nancy he's uh, gone through this with nancy yes yes and he's hurt he thinks that he just got dumped for a creep who was taking pictures of her and nancy meanwhile has gone through the most traumatic thing of her life and is like no we weren't studying i almost died but she can't say that yes and she starts to the thing is she starts to and then she stops because she's like no one's gonna believe me they're all gonna think i'm crazy which then jonathan comes in and then they start getting into a fight like jonathan not the moment not the not the moment um they are decking each other and it does 
Steve does take control and starts beating the shit out of Jonathan. Um, the cops come, but then Steve and friends run off. No, no, no. Jonathan was the one beating the shit out of Steve. No, Steve was on top at that moment. He got up and ran away. Jonathan was on top because the, the cops pull Jonathan off. Oh. And as they pull him off, he elbows the cop in the face. And that's why he gets the assaulting a police officer. Steve was on the ground. Right. So yeah. Jonathan is the one who gets on top and starts pummeling the shit out of Steve. Yeah, because uh, I, yes, it escalates so quickly. Everything I've seen it happens it's so a fight, fast. Very fast. But Jonathan does end up on top and they keep telling him to stop. It's enough. He does not stop. He doesn't even stop when the police show up. They pull him off. They handcuff him. Everyone else runs away. They can't keep up with Steve because he's a track star. He's a runner. He's a track star. Legs for days. Go, go, go. Go, go, go. Um, so then, then we cut we to have, yes. Lucas the Ranger. I love this boy. I love this boy so much. He goes, I got all my shit from Nam. We're going hunting today. And he takes off and he goes and he follows that compass all the way to the lab. Yep. He reaches the lab. Yep. He goes around the entirety of the lab and he's like, fuck, it's here. So he climbs up a tree. Classic ranger. Love this little Lucas boy. Climbs up he a tree. He takes out his binoculars from, from Nam. Nam. And he looks through them and he sees the Hawkins electrical vans, which we have been seeing. We haven't really talked about this, but we have been seeing it throughout the season. Yes. They checked the, they showed up at Joyce's house for the electric. That's where we saw Brenner. They showed up at the school to look at the blown AV radio, unit. AV unit. We see it throughout the semester, throughout the semester, throughout the season, as this is what Hawkins Lab is using to go undetected Which in I Hawkins. I had a note, like, this is a really big lab with so much security. How is no one asking questions? Going back and rewatching that very first scene of season one to try to figure out what was happening, um, it does say it's the Department of Energy. Yes, yeah, so it's the U.S. Department of Energy. It's labeled. So it as makes the sense Department that they would have the electrical trucks. But now that Lucas knows something else is going on, he's he in his mind is like, oh, fu I just waved to a guy. Because not from only is it Department there. of Energy, they just saw. Yeah, I just waved to a guy from there. He was outside my house. There's a bunch of vans there, and then there's also military trucks there what's going on because there was like military yes. jeeps as well and he so he's like putting two and two together because he's like oh the the portal is in the lab yeah something's going on so yes. then then we go to mike and dustin and they yes. are found by the bullies yes they start running away Somehow the bully Bikes. snakes in front of them and is on the other side of the Somehow, road. Somehow we don't get, you know, this feels like that moment when they tried to, in National Treasure 2, they put Sylvan Lake directly behind Mount Rushmore. They're like 45 minutes apart from each other, but whatever. It just feels like they were like making up how these kids got around to each other, Corey. Whatever. Yes. So they're cornered. On the top kid pulls of the a quarry. knife on, yeah, on top of the quarry where Will would have died and drowned. Where Will would have died. Yes. Um, Dustin is now held at knife point by at one of the knife bullies. knife point by a 12-year-old. Yeah. Um, he's like, it's time, it's your turn to get wet. Which I'm like, is he wanting him to pee his pants on command? Because <laughs> that's exactly what Mike thinks at first, too. <laughs> what do you mean? He's like, do I have to pee? I don't know. 
I don't know if I can just pee on command. I have a little bladder shy. Um, and he's like, jump, which if he were to actually jump, that would kill Mike this too. This kid is so, telling him to kill himself. Kid is, yeah, no, kid is out this for homicide. He wants to commit a murder. Up. This kid needs to be instituted. Send him to Dr. Brenner. They've got some work to do. Yeah, I think Dr. Brenner would love this kid. Love him. Anyways. They would be besties. Or then, he is going to use his knife to pop out Dustin's baby teeth, which is such a psychotic thing to say. He is threatening to take out this boy's teeth or kill yourself. And so, to be fair, Dustin's like, I don't need my baby teeth. Take them. I don't care. <laughs> like, yeah. Dustin um, is like anything to save my friend. And Will's and, and Mike yeah. is like, you know what? Let's go. Go one. Time to jump. He steps off, which is such a mind fuck. It, it's <laughs> almost like he is resigned to killing himself. He doesn't like try to jump or like cannibal or anything. He just steps off. He steps off. And then we have him floating in midair. Yes. And then all of a sudden, so he we lets see... him go. So he doesn't think that Mike is actually going to do it because he immediately, when Mike does it, lets go of Dustin and they all run yes. over the edge. And they see Mike floating there. And then he comes sailing on up over the top of them and gets set down on the ground. They all turn around. And there she is. It's she is 11. Hit. It's 11. It the bullies it run away. Dustin is screaming. She's our friend and she's crazy. She'll kill you. That's right. You better run. She's our friend and she's crazy. If we ever see you again, she'll kill you. And in my head, listening to that, I was like, she will. Yeah. She fucking um, my will. note on that, um, on that is how my friends talk about me. I honestly, <laughs> I legitimately. When I'm out of the bar and people are talking to me, my friends, and I don't want them to. No. And then they run away scared. <laughs> Do you know the thought <laughs> I had? Is, remember that shirt we were talking about where it said, I make life harder? Is getting yeah. another shirt and the pairing shirt with that just says, She's my friend and she's crazy. <laughs> Just kidding. Those, can you imagine us walking around with those shirts? Oh my God. Oh, that's so funny. Yes. Oh, that is so funny. Anyways, so this is when we have the flashback to Eleven actually touching the Demogorgon because she collapses. She's like, that was a lot of energy for me. She's young. Yes. She hasn't used her power as much. In in the timeline of things, and that's she's a still lot. learning it. That's a lot. She picked up a whole ass human. Like, she's, this is not a dummy filled with teddy bear stuffing. This is an actual human being with guts and organs and weight. Yes. And that's hard because he was not that close to the edge. Like, he was pretty, he was, and he also, was a good distance down weighs to bring him up and away. Her. So she literally lifted yes. something that weighs more than her, lifted him up and set him down safely. Like, that girl, I, yes. Which also is just yes. another demonstration of how fucking powerful Eleven is. Yeah, and this is when she's not even that skilled with her powers yet. No. She's very powerful. Yes. Um, so that we hug the with the three of them. Yeah, is just Dustin just like flopping on top of them? Like, God, I love Dustin. I love Dustin so goddamn much. Okay. Yeah. Yep. And then yep. These this episode ends. They walk in through the back door of the the basement. And you can see the lab people essentially surrounding them. Yes. Dun, dun, dun. Yes. We have made it to um, the end. 
Jesus Christ. Yes. So that is so so much happens in episode six. So much happens of every it season. Keeps, it cuts and cuts and cuts and cuts. It keeps going and building and like it really flies back and forth very, very quick. Yes. Um a lot of buildup because and if you think about where we were at the beginning to the end of this, is they've discovered who Eleven is. Joyce knows that Will is alive. Jonathan pulls Nancy out of a Demogorgon thing, gets into a fist fight, and gets arrested. Nancy sees the Demogorgon face-to-face, has her name slandered in the middle of downtown, is dealing with all these human emotions. Like, so much in this episode has happened. It's a lot. It's a lot to get through. <laughs> yeah. Um, Joyce and Hopper talk try to talk with Terry. They go. They're off during their own out of town. Thing. They're out yeah, of town. They are out of town. Um they, they we didn't even talk about how they get in the car and then over the radio it's like, "Hey, have you seen Joyce? Jonathan was arrested." Oh yeah, and Jonathan like, was arrested. And then there was that whole scene with the she's like, "Oh, only love make people this brave and this dumb." They like set up season 2. Oh, so they absolutely strong. did. Which if we may touch on season two for just a hot second, you have in a the hot party second. scene, in the party scene with Nancy and Steve, where he's like, "Can you say that you love me?" And she's super drunk, and she's like, "It's bullshit! It's bullshit." We we then have the next day where he's like, "Just say that you love me," and Nancy can't do it. And I think after this episode, I'm kind of like, why would they even be together? How could Nancy go back to that? Like, obviously they reconcile, whatever. Things happen in the next two episodes. The thing that happens in the next two episodes, the thing that made everyone, like, Steve at this point, fine, whatever. He is who he is. We both know that the thing that made everyone fall in fucking love with steve the hair harrington happens in the next goddamn episode so next week when we talk we are going to zip through (laughs) everything else we are going to rapid fire which we did better this time about not talking about other seasons but next week is our final episode for our Stranger Things season one marathon. I'm so We're gonna go over seven and eight. I'm excited and also sad and also now terrified thinking about how much happens in those two episodes. So we'll see how that goes. <laughs> um, I these are like and also honestly, it's okay if these episodes are longer. Like whatever, who cares? Are you gonna give our obligatory "We're not professionals" speech? You I don't give a do fuck. Every I don't give a fuck. Whatever. Like, I'm having fun. If it's long, it's long. If you want to listen to it, you want to listen to it, which you do want to listen to it. You love our voices. I, I've actually had a lot of people who are like, it's so fun listening to you guys. You have good chemistry. And I'm like, thanks. Hey, you know what they should do? They should write it in a review on Apple Podcast or give us a five-star rating on Spotify and then send us a screenshot of that five-star rating along with a DM to our Instagram, Eternal Slumber Party Pod. Is that our Instagram handle? It sure is. Yes. Eternal Slumber Party Pod. You can send it to us there on Instagram or you can send it to us on threads. I have been using our threads pretty pretty good. Pretty chaotically, um, I, I got to be honest. Yeah, no, very chaotically, but 
very on brand. Um, the memes fire. The hosts amazing. The chaos so hot and gorgeous and sexy, fully incarnate. Um, and also you can also if you don't use Instagram, you can also email us that review along with a screenshot at Eternal Slumber Party Podcast at gmail.com um and, and we'll start reading those off shouting you out on air you do have to give us five stars you have to leave a rating and it has to be good and then you can put whatever you want in the review and we will read it that's true disclaimer um it has to be appropriate <laughs> don't be weird don't but be weird start leaving us reviews we'll start shouting you out uh, we love the positive feedback. Friends, make sure you write it down so other people see it too. Yeah. If and also, you hated this, then send it to your worst enemy because that's a funny prank. If you liked it, send it to your best friends. Send it to your mom. Send it to your grandma so that you can introduce her to Stranger Things. And have a great fish day or not. The choice, as always, is yours. The finale is on... The finale is literally on your birthday. It's yeah, we talk about the fin uh, the finale on my birthday for my birthday. It's the finale. Um, so we have to speed through plots. <laughs> so all I can do as a birthday present for me is talk about Eddie and Steve. <laughs> we are speeding through plot. Plot the plot. <laughs> we are talking about my boys on my birthday. <laughs> <laughs>